1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. So we're going to finish up 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. We've been going through the last several weeks, going through it. Oh, there's the birthday girl. Aha. Yes. Did you hear us? Were you standing? All right. 1 John chapter 5, and we'll read verses 13 through 21. 13 through 21. 1 John chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, all the way to the end of the chapter. says this in the Word of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother's sin as sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. Verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray again. Father, again, we come before you through the blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're glad that you are a worthy God. And we want to, Lord, uh, give a hearty amen to that truth. Worthy is the Lamb. And Lord, our desire is that you would be high and lifted up, that you might draw us unto thyself today. Lord, that one that needs to be saved that's here, that one that's listening today that needs to be saved, God, we ask you to open that heart, give understanding that heart, and draw that heart unto thyself today, Lord, that they could be born again by the grace of God. Lord, we pray for those that are saved, dear God, again, that you would uh, uh, stir us up and, uh, Lord, uh, move us forward, move us forward in our walk and our personal relationship with you. Dear God, through the word of God and thy spirit. Lord, we pray for those with physical needs today. Lord, again, we think of uh, Sister Muxlow. We think of uh, Brother Wood. Uh, we think of Brother Wood's brother. We think of uh, Sister Carpenter and her brother. We think of uh, the Veracruz uh, children and uh, others with physical need today. Please touch them. Although we think of those that are uh, traveling, watch over them as they go up and down the road. Thank you for bringing uh, Sister uh, Judy home safely and others that had been uh, uh, traveling. And again, Lord, right now, uh, we yield ourselves to you. Have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us uh, notice first in verse 20, verse 20, where it says this again, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know. I like this. All through this epistle, we saw that word no, no, no. Amen. We like the word no, because again, when you know something, that's when you can have assurance. That's when you can have peace. That's when you can have joy, when you know. Amen. When something is settled in your soul, then your soul can have peace. Amen. And joy. And so it says this, what do we mean? May know what? Him. Boy, just like they were singing, he's worthy. And we, he that is worthy, we can know him. Him that is what? 
him that is true. So we can know him that is true. And if we're saved, we are in him that is true. And who is that? Even Jesus Christ, his son. Look at this. This is the true God, the true God. We want to think about that thought this morning as we talk about, as we finish up 1 John chapter 5, the true God. Amen. Aren't you glad you know who the true God is uh, this morning? Uh, Jesus, when he prayed that great prayer in John 17, said this, John 17, 3, when Jesus was praying, he said this, and this is, it goes right along with this, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He's the true God, and he's the only true God. There is not another. There's only one true God. Isaiah 45 says it's this way. Isaiah 45, I'll give you a couple verses from that. Isaiah 45, verse 18. Isaiah 45, 18 says this. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. And this is what he said. This is what the creator said. He said, I am the Lord, there is none else. (laughs) Hey, you've arrived. There's no reason to look anywhere else. The search is over. I'm the Lord, there is none else. He said this in verse 21 of Isaiah 45. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. And who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? (laughs) Have not I the Lord? Now notice what he says. And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. There's no God beside him. There's no Savior beside him. He's the only one. And that's why it says this in verse 22 of Isaiah 45. Right? This is the verse that uh, 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 Spurgeon heard when he got saved. Isaiah 45 too. Look unto me. And be ye saved all the ends of the earth. So not only is he the only God, the only Savior, but he's the one of the whole earth. And says this, for I am God and there is none else. It's because he says what? The true God. It doesn't say a true God. It says what? The true God. There is none else. He's the only one. True means what? It means real. Not fictitious, not feigned like idols. And people need to realize, you know, you hear a lot of talk about, you know, people say, well, use the term Jehovah or Yahweh and all these things. But what people need to understand is the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. There's only one. Jesus is Jehovah. Moses said, who should I tell them that I am? And what did Jehovah say out of the bush? I am that I am. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. See, he said, before before Abraham was, I am. You see, the Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of it. There's one true God, right? And we can know him. And so as we've studied and gone through the epistle of 1 John, everything we have read it's true. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Everything we've read in this epistle is true. And we can expand that to all the word of God. Everything 
in this book is true. And why is 1 John true? Why is Isaiah true? Why is Genesis true and Psalms and all the why? It is true because it all came from the true God. He is the source. The true God gave us the truth. And what a wonderful truth and thing that is, the true God. And so as we went through this epistle, we'll do a little review here. What, 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 did, we, what did we learn? Well, we've learned this. The true God gives assurance that we may truly have eternal life. The true God gives true assurance that we may truly have eternal life and that this eternal life is in him. It's in the true God. Verse 13, look at that again. Notice it says, these things have I written unto you. Well, see, we're coming to the end of the book. Right? We're coming in the book and he says, hey, why is there chapter one? Why is there chapter two? Why is there chapter three? Why is there chapter four? Why is there chapter five? For this reason, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, and here it is, that you may know that ye have eternal life. All right? And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Notice how the verse starts, these things. And we've seen that phrase all through this epistle. We've seen that phrase, these things, right? These things that you may know. You see, God wants you to have assurance, amen? He wants you to be saved and then have that assurance that you're saved, amen? Because he wants you to have peace and joy, amen? Listen, he doesn't want you to get saved. He doesn't want you to worry about that thing anymore, amen? Hey, listen, you're here, amen? Now let's move forward and enjoy life together. Let's move forward and grow together. Let's move forward, amen, and reach some others with this great truth. So we've seen this phrase several times in this epistle. And what have we seen? These things, right? And what are they? The evidences. We've seen these things, and these things are the evidences, if you will, of who Christ is. And the evidences, or the birthmarks, as we've seen, if you will, that should be seen in our life. These are the things that prove who he is, and these are the things that give us assurance that we are the children of God. What did chapter 3 say? We are now, we are the children of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, amen, we shall be like him. So these are things we should see in our life and give assurance that we are now the children of the true God. And that indeed, like we talked about, we indeed, we have passed from what? Death unto life. Amen. We've passed from death unto life. Thank God for that. Let's, let's uh, look at some of these things that remind us, that give us. Now, again, verse 13 says, these things that you might know. So let's do a quick review and remind us of some of these things that let us know or give us assurance that we have eternal life. First John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We hear, what do we see here? How do we know? How do we know? As it says in the first thing, how do we know we have eternal life? Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And hereby we do know that we know him, what? If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So what do we see here? We see the birthmark of obedience. In 13, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, These things have you written that you may know that you have eternal life. How do I know that I have eternal life? Because I have the birthmark of obedience in my life. 
I, in my heart, is a desire to be obedient to the true God, to be obedient to the word of God, to be yielding to the Holy Spirit as it works in my life. Listen, that didn't naturally, I, I wasn't born with that naturally. I was born again with that supernaturally. That's right. It didn't get born naturally, but born again supernaturally. And one of the birthmarks, right, is that, hey, I have a desire to be obedient. Can I be honest and say, yes, there is a desire in my heart to do the will of God. So, hey, I, that goes right along with that. I know that I have eternal life because there's a desire in my heart to be obedient. Uh, another birthmark, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 says this. Again, we know that we have passed from death unto life, right? How do I know that I've made that pass? It's done because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And we have learned that love is what? Love is more than an emotion. It's more than just an emotion, which is what the world uh, 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 makes it, right? It's more than just a word to throw out there, right, and take lightly. Love is what? It's a deed. It's a commitment. So when I say I love you, what am I telling someone? I've made a commitment to you. Hey, the Lord said, I love you. And how did he prove it? He made a commitment to you. Hey, I love the Lord. How can, how can that be proven? Because uh, uh, the last 34 and a half years of my life prove that I've committed my life to serving him. And so the evidence is there that he put that love in my heart. Hey, I love the church. How is that evidence? Is that evidence in my life? Yes, because for the last 34 and a half years, I've, by God's grace, I've been faithful to the local church, right? I've been faithful to the church. So that shows, amen, I'm committed to the church. So that shows what? I love God. That shows I love the church. I love the word of God. I love the good. How can that be proven? Because on a daily basis, I'm committed to reading the word of God and growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I see the birthmark of obedience. I see the birthmark of love. Chapter four, verse six says this. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. And here it is. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth. You see, the birthmark of truth is in my life. You see, the Holy Spirit is in my life. The word of God is in my life. So what? I can discern truth and error. When somebody says something to me, that doesn't line up with this book, right? I, usually I can, I can pick it right up. Why? Because the Spirit of God that wrote this book is in me. And I've, as I've studied this book, right, uh, 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 the, the Word of God has gotten in my heart. And it, it, it's, it, again, it amazes me. If you told me to quote 10 verses right now, I don't know that I could quote 10 verses right now. Well, maybe if I start off with Jesus wept. Okay, that gives me one. That was a good one, right? Jesus, I got, I got, that, I got that one down. And we usually know John 3, 16. So, okay, I'm up to, I'm up to two. But yet, when I, sometimes when I'm, when I'm uh, uh, preaching or teaching or witness to somebody, I'm amazed at how verses all of a sudden are just flowing through my heart and mind, right? Because the spirit of truth, right, uh, brings that truth Back to my remembrance is what? That's evidence. 
That's evidence. That's a birthmark, amen, that I am his and he is mine and I have eternal life. You see, the true God tells the truth. The true God is truth. And so, we know, again, we know who the true God is, Jesus Christ. And that's why it's important. Don't just tell people, I believe in God. That's good. But a lot of people say that. But when you say, I believe in God, then people, you know what? Immediately, their God comes to mind. You need to not just tell them you believe in God, but tell them who, that you know who God is. You see, I was, I was talking to a relative of mine one time, and uh, somebody, and they said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I get interviewed, and I always tell them I believe in God. I always give credit to God. And I said, don't do that. Don't give credit to God. Don't do that. I was like, what? What, what do you mean? I said, tell them, tell them I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell them that you know that you believe in God, but you know who God is. That's, that's something different. Say, listen, I, I give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The true God. Let them know that you know the true God. There's only one God, uh, the true God, and that Jesus Christ is that true God. He's not just a good man. He's just not some uh, great religious teacher. He is the true God, and there's none beside him. And the Bible makes that clear. Let them know that you know who the true God is. And then uh, verse 13 of chapter 4 says this, Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And again, what I just said, that the, the, the fact that I have the indwelling spirit in my heart is evidence that I have eternal life. Because only those that have been saved, only those that have eternal life, have the spirit of God within them. You see, I have the true God in me. I have the true God to guide me on a daily basis through my life. And the fact that it's there lines up with the Word of God and gives evidence that I know I have eternal life. And then these verses that we looked at last week in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 say this, the birthmark of the witness within. Again, 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 says this, we receive the witness of men, but the witness of God is greater. We looked at that last week. For this is the witness of God, that he has testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. And he believed not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Amen. And so we know uh, that we have that within us. So listen, we need to understand we have these birthmarks. We have these things. We, we, we say we're saved. We say we have eternal life. We say we've been born again, right? I mean, when a child's born, we say, oh, did they have a birthmark? You know, say, oh, he's got the same birthmark as her father, right? We always uh, check for those things when we're looking at that brand new little baby. Oh, look, I got a birthmark, right? Well, hey, uh, we got saved. There ought to be birthmarks in our life. And we need to understand as children of God, listen, that we, we are not going to live with that joyful assurance, right? And if, if we want to live with that joyful assurance, right, of the present possession, the present possession that we have in Christ, right? If we want to enjoy that joyful assurance, right, we need to let these things, these things, these birthmarks, right, 
We need to let them and make sure they're in our life and then make sure we're letting them be evident in our life for people to see the change that's been made in our life, the difference that's been made in our life when we put our trust in the true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see one, the true God gives assurance of eternal life and that this eternal life is in him. Secondly, what do we learn here? The true God, the true God hears and answers prayer. The true God hears and answers prayer. Verses 14 and 15 say this. Look at those verses again. Chapter 5, these verses again. This is the confidence. Thank God we can have confidence. I'm glad when I got up this morning, hey, I didn't wake up with a question mark in my heart. I'm glad when I stand here this morning and talk about the Word of God, I'm not nervous. I'm not wavering. Look, amen. I'm not nervous this morning. I don't have a question in my heart. Oh, I hope what I'm saying is true. I know it is because it is in the Word of God that I've got from the true God. I have that assurance. So look what it says. And this confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And so one, I'm glad I know who the true God is. And I'm glad I know that the true God hears my prayer and answers my prayer. And because he's the only true God, he's the only one that can hear prayer and can answer my prayer. What a wonderful thing. That is. Boy, it's, it's sad. You know, as you travel the world or even, in, a, even in, in America today, the many people that are bowing to false gods. I think about when I was in Thailand a couple years ago and, and uh, uh, walked into that Hindu temple. And it's so, it's so sad uh, to see people, you know, because they're sincere. I mean, they, they are sincere. They, they, they want help in their life. But unfortunately, they're bowing down to a false god, a false, the Hindu temple. And then we go to Buddhist temples and you see they're bowing down to a false god, a false religion that can't give them any assurance, that can't hear their prayer, that can't answer their prayer. And unfortunately, however they came in, they walk out the same way because they're trusting in a false God that can't make a difference in their life. Psalm 115, Psalm 115, some verses say this. It says this, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. You see, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 31 says this, for their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. You see, their God is not like our God. Here's the difference. They made their God. Our God made us. 
You see, I'm glad I don't have a God I made, but I have a God that made me. I didn't give my God ears. He gave me ears. Cute little ones, amen, that are pointed at the top. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was always trying to cover my ears. I always said, oh, I got ugly ears, right? But he gave me eyes. and I didn't have to give anything to him, amen? The only thing I give to him is worship and praise and thankfulness for what he's done in my life, amen? So aren't you glad you're not worshiping a God that you made, but you're worshiping a God, the true God that made you? You see, prayer is a wonderful and powerful thing. But we must understand this. Right. You know, a lot of times we we misunderstand prayer. Prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance. You know, we think, oh, you know, God doesn't want to answer my prayer. But if I keep, you know, but if I if I if I keep begging him, I can make him answer my prayer. No, prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance. It's about laying hold of the true God's willingness. Amen. He delights to hear your prayer. He delights to answer your prayer. So it's not about trying to overcome his reluctance to answer your prayer. It's about by faith, getting a hold of his willingness to answer your prayer. That's a big difference. I'm not trying to overcome his reluctance. I'm, I'm trying to have enough faith to get a hold of his willingness to answer my prayer and believe that he will, he wants to, and he's going to like we found in this uh, uh, verse. You see, the true God hears and answers prayer. I like this statement. Prayer is the language of eternal life because until you're saved, until you have eternal life, you can't truly speak the language of prayer. Again, answer prayer, and it just goes along with what I just said. Uh, 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 Answered prayer is usually not about a hearing problem. He hears us. It's usually about a heart problem, making sure our heart is where it should be, amen, when we pray and having a surrendered heart. You see, God hears. It's usually about the problem of surrender in our life. You see, because when we pray for and when we pray in God's will, we're praying like our Savior. How did Jesus pray? Matthew 26, 39 says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Not my will, but thy will. You see, think of it this way. A surrendered will in prayer, a surrendered will in prayer is a successful will. Amen. A surrendered will is a successful will. Will it gets the job done? Matthew six ten. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Matthew six, the model prayer. So thank God, the the true God, the true God gives assurance of eternal life, and that that eternal life is in Him. The true God hears and answers prayer. Next, the true God warns us concerning the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of sin. Verses 16 and 17. If any man see his brother a sin, a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for the, them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. For all unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. Notice the phrase, there is a sin unto death. That phrase makes a lot of people nervous. Oh, there's a sin unto death. Now, most people, when they think about that sin unto death, they think about Matthew 12, where it says this, verse 31 and 32. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. 
And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Most people, when they think about the sin, they think about that one. But you know what? There's a lot of things it talks about, even in the New Testament, uh, sins that can cause death. Right. And I believe there are sins that if you continue in them and conviction is ignored, can lead unto death. Now, God's not looking to kill anybody. A lot of times people think God's a mean old man upstairs waiting to knock somebody across the head. No, he's looking to help people, not hurt people. He's more about restoring life than taking life. That's what God's about. He's restoring life, not taking life. But again, there are sins. Remember, Acts 5 is in the New Testament. <laughs> Acts 5, we all know the story, right? Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? They died. That is in the New Testament. Something they did against God, right? They lied to the Holy Ghost. And what? God took their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, that's an amazing thought. It's talking about the Lord's Supper and having respect about the Lord's Supper. You see, I, I, we need, I know we need to take the Lord's Supper more often, but I Taking the Lord's Supper is a serious thing. I take it very serious. You know, that's why I never wanted it just to be a tradition or it's just, you know, well, we've all, you know, we've always done it on the, 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 the second Sunday of this month. Hey, that's good, but it needs to be a serious thing. Because notice what it says in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, in the context of taking the Lord's Supper and them not doing it right, it makes this statement, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, when it says many sleep, it's not talking about taking a nap after dinner. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about they died. They died because they didn't take the things of God seriously when they should have. You see, God has given us some things and we need to take them seriously and respectfully. Notice this verse, Hebrews 12, 9 says this, Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh when under the thought of correction, under the thought of chastisement. It says this in Hebrews 12, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits? And here's how it ends. And live. And live. A warning there. So the true and living God sees knows and understands our very thoughts. We need to realize that. Psalm 139.2, Thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising, my understandest, my thoughts afar off. And so listen, of course, the sure sin unto death is what? What's, what, what's the guaranteed sin unto death? Unbelief. Unbelief is, of course, the greatest sin of all because if you never believe, then you'll never get saved. So let's finish up here. At the end, we see, uh, we see the, the, the true God gives assurance of salvation and that that salvation is him. The true God gives assurance, right, that he hears and answers prayer. The true God, amen, gives us clear warnings about sin. And then the true God protects those who are his children. Notice verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, look at this, and that wicked one toucheth him not. You see, now it says he sinneth not. That means he doesn't continue habitually in sin. Verse 19 says, the whole world lieth in wickedness. We know that. <laughs> Listen, every time we turn on the news, every time we catch up on the news, what do we learn more? That the world lieth in wickedness. We're surrounded by wickedness. 
And you know what? As long as we're in this world, we're going to be surrounded by wickedness. But this, that's not what we need to focus on. This is what we need to focus on. It says what? Think about this. It's not about the world we live in. And it's not about the, what we are surrounded by. It's about the true God in us and the fact that he surrounds us. Amen. We might be surrounded by wickedness out there, but here we're surrounded by him. Amen. And he's there to protect us. First John 4, 4 says this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome the world, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, hey, the world lieth in wickedness. Hey, that's okay. I'm lying in him. I'm abiding in him. I'm resting in him. I'm walking in him. Amen. So everything, it is well with my soul. First uh, John chapter 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, as we looked at last week. So we have to remember this. God controls the devil's limitations. God draws the line and says, you can't cross it, Satan. Just like we see, of course, the beautiful story of that in the Job, right? He drew the line where he could mess with Job's life. And he draws the line where our life can be messed with. Hey, sure, he allows things like we talked about in Sunday school. He's got to stir us up and wake us up and shake us up and break us up. Why? So he can make us up because one day he's going to take us up. Amen. And he's got to prepare us for that. But until then, amen, we got to get through this life, but we can trust him. So God controls his limitations. But thank God he finishes out with a word of admonition. He says this, little children, listen, in verse 20, he said, listen, you, you, you know the true God. You're in the true God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the true God. But as we finish up, remember this, keep yourselves from idols. So listen, we're, we know the true God, we're in the true God, and thank God. But you know what we need to do in this life? We still need to stay alert. We, we need to be aware of things that would distract us, and we need to stay focused on the true God, what He has done in our life, what He's doing in our life, and what He desires to do through our life to bring honor and glory to Him as they sing about that is worthy. So I ask you this morning, as we finish up, do you personally know the true God? And if you are saved, how is your relationship with the true God? Are, are these birthmarks evident in your life? And listen, are you allowing them so that others can see them? And if not, we say, come to the Lord this morning and let him help you. Because the God of the Bible is the one true and living God. And again, these evidence of eternal life given in God's word. And realize that we have assurance of our salvation, amen, when we see these things in our life. And be reminded that our God hears and answers prayer. You have something you've been praying about? Oh, listen, don't give up. Keep praying, my child. I think of George Mueller. He had two men that he prayed for for 50 years. One got saved right before he died. One got saved right after he died. Don't give up. He hears and answers prayer. But also know this, though you're saved, know the seriousness of sin and stay right with the Lord on a daily basis. And rejoice in the safety and security you have in the Lord. Amen. And keep him in his rightful place in your life. So thank God. If you know the true God and you're in the true God, amen, you have assurance this morning that you have eternal life. 
But if you don't have that assurance or there's a question mark about that, well, if you're here this morning or you're listening, God invites you to come and said, hey, before you leave this place, you can truly know me, the true God, if you'll come and surrender to me. And again, if we're saved and uh, we see we've gotten sidetracked, amen, we've allowed some things. Remember, not all idols have ears and noses and mouths, amen. I mean, there's some nice boats out there, but I've never seen them with ears on them or no, but they're still idols, right? Got some other things out there that are idols. And so if you've seen some of those idols get between you and your true God, amen, I'd say push them out of the way and get refocused. Let's pray.